Tell us a little bit about what you saw and, and, and being able to relay that message to Cora when you watched Kimbrell pitch and, and kind of help out so he wasn't uh, tipping his pitches. So tipping pitches, we hear about it all the time. People at home understand what tipping pitches is all about. It's amazing. Man. And that's remarkable. Alex, I made a very unfortunate oversight while we were doing our podcast last week. You did. I, it took us a minute to to remember whether or not you did make that oversight, but we determined that it's likely. Wait, this wasn't even the oversight that I was talking about. Oh, Seems okay. like I made oh, two is- <laughs> oversights while recording our podcast last week. The first oversight being I forgot to do my rant about how Philadelphia sports fans are spoiled and weird and act like they're the underdogs. But I, I we're recording this on Sunday, so I don't know whether the Eagles are going to win the Super Bowl tonight. Right. So I'm not sure whether or not they're really spoiled or just kind of spoiled. Right. This could age very poorly in 24 hours. Honestly, it can't, though, because the Eagles won the Super Bowl four (laughs) years ago and the Phillies won the World Series in 2008. And the Flyers have won the Stanley Cup, I think, in this century. So Philadelphia sports fans are like better than 95% of cities sports fans in the country. And yet they act like they have a Napoleon complex about their sports. That's a whole different thing. But... We don't need to get into that right now because we already talked about the Philadelphia Eagles last week and your deep, deep, deep knowledge of their roster. This week, the oversight that I wanted to talk to you about was that last week when you came over to record the podcast, Mm. we spent 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes talking about how I was going to do the cold open on the balloon. Right. (laughs) The Chinese spy balloon. The balloon nothing, heard nothing around if not the world. Topical here at the balloon pitches. seen around the world. One of and many. We started, it sounds like we started reading the print copy of the New York Times story about the spy balloon, and you started sharing your opinion because you walked in and I said, "Alex, do you have thoughts on the balloon?" And you were like, "Honestly, no. Like, honestly, I actually <laughs> have a significant lack of thoughts." It's one of those things where you just completely let it come in one ear, out the other, mm-hmm. without creating a single critical thought about it. Well, and what I, what I noted is that if this had happened four years ago, I would have been like tuned in, like eyes glued to my feeds, to my screen, you know, CNN running 24-7 um, with Don Lemon's dulcet tones letting me know what our what our uh, president has been tweeting about. And, and this just kind of came and went, you know? Well, this is why I wondered because I know you to be intrigued by conspiracies. Right. As a person, mm-hmm. that's in your personality type. But it seems like maybe that's been beaten out of you a little bit. Well, now the conspiracy has gotten deeper. And I know you uh, organized all those thoughts last week about the balloon in preparation for the segment that I forgot to do not 10 minutes later. So I come to you this week, Alex. Now that the plot has thickened, now that there are two unidentified flying objects that have also been shot down since the Chinese spy balloon was shot down. What do you think's going on? Is there a way for you to relate this to the baseball world so it can seem like we're actually doing a baseball podcast? You know what? Yes. Okay. Because great. here's the thing is, I think for a long time, I, I said this to you the other night. I was like, I kind of thought everyone did this sort of thing, right? Like, I kind of thought we all had our own sort of things flying up around in the air. And it was just an unwritten rule, right? Oh, okay. That, 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 that's okay. You know, okay, you see a balloon. Maybe you turn the other cheek, right? Maybe... A, it was a CIA officer's uh, birthday or something. Right. When they know? go 
low airspace with the balloon, we go higher uh-huh. airspace yep. with a satellite that's spying Ex- on China. Exactly. Yeah. We got there eventually. So, and I think that this is the breaking of those unwritten rules. Right? I mean, China said as much. Yeah. They said it violated international norms. <laughs> you know what that sounds like? Don't stare at a home run when you're up seven runs. Right. It didn't violate law. It violated norms. That's norms. a key distinction. Well, honestly, isn't violating norms worse than violating law? Because the United States violates laws all the time and no one does anything right. about it. Yeah. Right. Like the Geneva Conventions weren't written for us. They were written by us for other people. <laughs> I, I think it's just disappointing that it had to come to this. You know, this sort of downfall. Like there was... I just, there was a level of respect for spy balloons in the past that just simply doesn't exist in today's game. And it's disappointing to see how far we've fallen like that balloon fell from the sky. Okay, so balloon aside, Mm -hmm. what's going on in Canada? Come to the Tipping Pitches podcast to find out what's happening in Canada and Michigan. I don't know. Do you know? No. I feel like there's a general lack of knowledge. I feel like some people are saying it's just some more balloons. And we've got a whole fleet of balloons lost. Right. The low-hanging fruit here is like a UFO conspiracy. And I know that that's kind of trite at this point. But it's been a while since we've had a good UFO conspiracy. I just want to say that. So I feel if, like a couple of years it, ago, we had a referendum on UFO conspiracies when people were just like, you know, the UFO conspiracies are only started because the government wants you to talk about that and not what they're actually doing. Right. And it's like, and it was no longer fun to have a UFO conspiracy because mm-hmm. now it's like just another CIA thing. It's like, all right, now we have to just fold this into the bigger CIA conspiracy chat. Right. And then they just kind of were like released a lot of like documents about UFOs. And we were like, oh, OK, well, <laughs> it's still unidentified. <laughs> So you think it's boring to have the UFO conspiracy. So so level it up for me then. No, I I just just the opposite. I think that it's been too long since we had a really coherent UFO conspiracy and I think we should bring that sort of thing back. If if you want to tie it to international politics as well, if you think the Martians are maybe trying to put their thumb on the scale, right? Last election cycle it was Russia. This cycle no, last election cycle, it was, it was the Dominion voting booths. All right, right. A phrase that has never been spoken on this podcast. <laughs> and will never be again. I, you're looking at me to say more, but I, this is kind of the extent of my, this is where my knowledge of this subject ends. But I do want to, I want to open the floor to you in case there's anything that um, you think hasn't been discussed yet that's, that's been an oversight thus far. Well, you know, this is what I come to you for. Listener, longtime <laughs> listeners will remember that we did a baseball conspira- favorite baseball conspiracy segment where you did a Wikipedia deep dive. Speaking mm-hmm. of Wikipedia deep dives, we will be talking about the Joe West Wikipedia controversy of the past week since 18 of you sent it to us and asked us to talk about it, <laughs> which is amazing. Thank you to everybody who sent that to us. Uh, but we decided that it was such a deep and rich story that we would save it for the actual podcast and not just the cold open and this very essential information is in the in the cold open here um this is what i come to you for to be the artist of conspiratorialization you don't think that's you anymore i i may have fallen off my game in the last few years but nothing like a spy balloon to throw me right back into the fire i have a question Mm -hmm. how many spy balloons would there need to be before Rob Manfred put a statement out 
about how the spy balloons might affect this upcoming 2023 baseball season. <laughs> a, a good amount, I would Would guess. there have to be like a spy balloon every day until opening day? And well, Rob would be like, we don't want China spying on our the RPMs on Lance McCullers' curveball. <laughs> right, can't I mean, have this happen. <laughs> if, if the spy balloon is flying over Minute Maid Park... Like well, yeah, Minute Maid they, Park. Minute Maid Park has a roof. We're good there. <laughs> <laughs> so then they can't spy on Lance McCurry's RPMs. Yeah, exactly. They they would stop the gate. I mean, you will recall this past year that the bold of you to assume I'm going to recall what you're about to say. <laughs> I, yes, but... <laughs> I know. I know. But you will recall it at a Washington Nationals game where there is a scheduled uh, parachuter. The oh, yeah. <laughs> what Department of Defense? I don't know who makes those calls. Considered. Shooting the the man down. So <laughs> yes, clearly, there are some lines of communication that are that are uh, not being connected here. I just have to say, I'm happy that the DOD did not shoot that man down for that man and his family's sake. And I'm also happy because if the Department of Defense shot down a man above a Washington Nationals baseball game, we would have to stop doing the podcast. Yeah, the Lots intersection of-, of our interests there <laughs> would Which just I- <laughs> require us to be like, "Well, this is the peak. It's never going to get." better slash worse than this how are we going to ever do a podcast in the future about the major league baseball season like how am i gonna be talking about the mets in front of a microphone when the washington nationals and the department of defense shot a man down in the skies above a major league baseball game i'd like to say i think it's funny that the list of of things that would require us to stop doing the podcast kind of grows longer and longer by the week i'm just looking for something (laughs) you're looking for a way at bobby it's okay we we can talk It's like an old baseball player when they're like they're looking for the thing that is gonna that makes it not fun anymore. Right. And you always hear baseball players and they're like, when my routine, my, my when my pregame routine became ninety minutes long before I could even put my cleats on, that's yeah. when I knew it was time to hang them up. <laughs> <laughs> when I'm searching Dominion ballot boxes in Google mm-hmm. before we're doing the podcast, that's when you know. That's when I know it's time to stop doing a podcast about baseball and leftist politics. <laughs> Um, unfortunately, it's not time yet. Maybe fortunately. I don't know. Depends how much you like that intro segment. Uh, we are going to talk about Joe West. We are going to answer a listener question. I am going to share my thoughts about the Paramore album, which Alex, who is a coward, has not listened to yet. But before we do all of that, I am Bobby Wagner. I am Alex Basil. And you are listening to Tipping Pitches. Alex, no new patrons this week. Womp womp. Do we do something wrong? Was it us? If anything, that's an indication to me that we're not going deep enough mm. on some of this deep state conspiracy stuff, right? Yes, well, speaking- last, last week's was relatively lighthearted. There was no balloon talk, and hence, we got no new patrons. Causation? Do you feel like you have a good memory of what we talked about last week? Like, no. on any given no. week, if... So what day do you think that you lose it by? Like later that same day? Monday? (laughs) Tuesday? At what point do you stop remembering what we talked about on the podcast last week? I I lose much of it by the evening (laughs) of recording. (laughs) Just why it it takes me some time to, to, uh, when when I'm writing the copy for episodes, it takes me a little bit because half of it is just remembering what we talked about so I can write it. Like I have to go through my notes and like go through my history and see if there were any links that like, like offshoot discussions that we had. Like it's, it's, it's not great. 
So like some might say that's bad. <laughs> some might say it's not memorable enough for you to remember what we talked about. However, others, particularly in the baseball world, might say one pitch at a time. Yeah. One pot at a time. Exactly. Short memory. Don't even remember what we talked about. Ready to talk about the next pod. Right. This is Ed's my little league coach would always say, hey, flush it. On to the next one. You flush know? it. My high school basketball coach said that all the time. He's like, he wanted to put it on shirts. I'm like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I don't know. People might, know the context. Might take some explaining. Um, I, I feel like a few weeks back, one thing that I do remember saying, talking about, or joking about, but only kind of joking, was that um, we basically have very few investigative uh, reporters left in baseball who actually mm-hmm. investigate things and break stories. That vacuum has been filled by Reddit user New York Mets All Head, who has done their own investigation into a cardinal figure of the podcast, one Cowboy Joe West. We're certainly not the first people to talk about this. We're certainly not the first people to talk about it on a podcast. It has already been expanded upon by Effectively Wild. But for the uninitiated, a huge story came across the timeline four days ago when it was revealed that on January 31st, an account called Crew Chief 22 made a series of edits to Joe West's Wikipedia page. Those edits include everything from deleting things to updating stories that are told within the Wikipedia page, to clarifying the nature of contact between Joe West and Joe Torrey, to ironing out... Threatening legal action? (laughs) Threatening legal action, to ironing the details out on a federal mediation between the umpires union and Major League Baseball. It is a rich text, and it is linked in the description. I suggest that you read the whole thing because because it is really hard to convey everything that happened within that Wikipedia edited post on a podcast. The TLDR of the situation is that Joe West, by his own accord, I guess reminded or taught that his Wikipedia page existed. And he decided to go to that Wikipedia page because he sensed that there were some inaccuracies from his perspective on it. And you know what he did? He made an account and he edited it, which is more than I can say for myself. You know, everybody used to joke about like, oh, Wikipedia, anybody can edit Wikipedia. And I used to be like, well, are you actually going to make an account and go change things? Yeah. Joe West is. <laughs> He's a go-getter. Yep. Yeah, this is every English teacher in high school right now is uh, is feeling vindicated for saying right. not to use it as a source. Even though it's a good source. Yeah. Um, here is the comment that Crew Chief 22, aka Joe West, left after he made his changes. Quote, I constructively corrected the bullshit that was on this page. There was never a shoving match between Joe Torrey and West. I should know I was there. (laughs) And the federal court order MLB to reinstate the umpires, just as I wrote. If you aren't going to leave my page alone, please remove it completely. I don't need anyone knowing anything about me. (laughs) Dot, dot, dot. And I certainly don't need anyone reading things that are not true. Either reinstate what I wrote or erase the entire page. Dot, dot, dot. I'm tired of correcting your lies. This is a lot. I have to sympathize. (laughs) Say more. I don't need anyone knowing anything about me. He has a podcast. You have a podcast. (laughs) People know plenty of things about both of you. Also, the post is signed Joe West. Like, dash (laughs) Joe West. In the first paragraph. proud of his work. 
No, but in the first paragraph, he says there was never a shoving match between Joe Torrey and West. So it's like for the first couple sentences, he was like, I'm going to try to remain anonymous here. And then by the next paragraph, he'd given <laughs> up on it off. and he just used first person and then he signed it as himself. Bro, it's, you cannot parody this if you tried. No, you really. Um, I, one of my favorite details from this is if you go back and kind of look at the edit history on the page, you obviously see a lot of his um, uh, edits, like the ones you're talking about, some of the comments that he's made on there. Um, but one that uh, pops up repeatedly is he makes edits for grammar. Um, and he writes a little note that no, says, just like me for real. Just like edit for grammar, spelled G R A M M E R. And this happens like a dozen times. It's spelled the same way every single time. And I have to respect the the level of commitment. So uh, these changes were undone by other Wikipedia editors because that violated Wikipedia's terms of service, which is that you're not allowed to make edits about a page about you because this is supposed to be crowdsourced. Wikipedia is a crowdsourced encyclopedia, not a blog about your life, <laughs> which Joe West doesn't know it's unclear to me he did an interview like a phone interview with ben Lindbergh that they ran on effectively wild after this because they had discussed when the story broke on an episode of effectively wild and then ben decided to send an email to the email account associated with joe west's website the same web same very same website that we have talked about on this podcast where we have tried to go to make a legal transaction for joe west's country spoken word country album However, it is not possible to do that anymore. So we did go to eBay and purchase that album. <laughs> we do own it on CD. Little, little teaser there for, that we, what's, for what's coming. Yes, with the funds that we have worked hard to acquire. And Ben sent an email to the email address listed on Joe S's website. And he responded. And he did a phone interview. And he talked through every single one of these edits. Yep. And you know what? I kind of found it a little compelling. I did too. You know, I, I think calling it an interview is maybe a little heavy-handed because I'm pretty sure Ben put the phone down and walked away while <laughs> Joe West spoke uninterrupted for like 20 minutes. Once again, but, podcast host. But exactly, the passion came through. You could tell the passion in his voice that he wanted to correct the record of what was going on there. And I really value the transparency, frankly. He didn't deny it, you know, in, in this era of half-truths and falsehoods, Joe West came out with his chest and said, I need the people to know the real me, the real Cowboy Joe. I'm and frankly, he did it because we're all talking about him again. Well, yeah. Do you think that this was just a... Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. An op to get people talking about Joe West because he's going to start releasing new albums? Right. I mean, he goes on Effectively Wild, one of the biggest baseball podcasts in the world, to talk about this. My question, why isn't he using his own pulpit? I know. He's got his own platform. Yeah. Well, he's got I his actually, own megaphone. He's got I his own microphone. He's got his own speaker. He's got his own feed. Why is he wasting these stories? Everybody is talking about this. This was his chance. Yeah. That's just bad podcasting. He could have cornered the, the market on this. You know what? He needs a producer. He needs me. Joe. Cowboy. Well, so CJW, if you're listening. <laughs> That's my new thing. I just, just, I just abbreviate, abbreviate everybody's. <laughs> JJF is still my favorite one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I did go back and see because I was curious. I was like, well, this does feel like something. Clearly, he's interested in talking about this. I wonder if he has discussed it. No, um, he hasn't. No pod and, and since October 24th. No pod since October. It looks like... When he had Reggie Jackson on his podcast. Uh -huh. Yeah. I Again, I'm 
I've fallen behind on the episode, so I have been catching up to do this offseason. But it looks like they run in seasons, right? They roughly run over the course of the baseball season. So he's there's just no reason for that. He's just twiddling his thumbs. No, there's here no reason in February. For that. He, Joe West should understand content better, right? He's a content creator. His whole career was content. His whole persona on the field was no different than first take on ESPN. And so I don't understand why he needs to put out conversational podcast episodes in seasons. Can you imagine if we did seasons of tipping pitches? It's like, all right, here's eight episodes yep. of bullshit <laughs> conversations. It's like, then you have to wait eight weeks, and then you get eight more episodes. <laughs> Can you imagine how bad they would be? You know what? You're talking a lot of shit for someone who has never listened to the was it 54, 60? 50, yep. yeah, 54, 60. 60. There we go. 54, yes. 60. 46, 50, 58, 90. All of these could be correct. <laughs> the fact that you got it right. I know. <laughs> what does really that say funny. about me, actually? The, uh, the other tidbit I want to pull out from this, and it's actually not from Please. The, re- the Reddit thread itself, but it's from that conversation between Ben and Joe. And, um, and Joe is, is running <laughs> it's down. It's like they're right? old friends. <laughs> right, ben and Joe. Joe is running down. Obviously, basically every single edit that he made. He said, this is where it started. And then I did this, this, this. He like even calls out the subheadings on the page. He's like, then we, then we get down to 2002 to 22. And uh, <laughs> like, okay, guy. Um, he brings up an edit uh, he made to a line referencing a sort of back and forth that he had with Adrian Beltre um, back a few, oh, years, yes. a few years ago. Right? right. And it's he's he's joking around. He says Adrian's, you know, one of the funniest guys in the game. Um and but they had a little banter at the plate, one at bat. He said, You're a great hitter, you'd make a terrible umpire. Um and Joe thought the the story was funny enough, the joke that he told was funny enough that he then retold the story to uh Bob Nightingale. Yes. I guess he's he's friendly with, which I such a power move. Bob Nightingale's like, like, umpire more Joe people need to- got into an argument with Adrian Beltre on Friday. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> well, the the line that that really took me aback was he says, I, I, I should have known better because Rob Manfred hates Bob Nightingale. Bombshell. 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 Once again, do not understand why he revealed this on someone else's podcast. To me and to the Tipping Pitches podcast. Exactly. You're exactly right about that, number one. But more importantly... To me, the fact that he edited the Wikipedia page is like the fact that the Washington Post broke a story that there was a break-in at the Watergate Hotel. And him revealing that Rob Manfred hates Bob Nightingale is like the Washington Post finding out that Richard Nixon had ordered the break-in. <laughs> that is how much, that is how important this is to me, personally. And Joe West just burned this in a phoner that I'm not even fully sure if he understood was going to be on Effectively Wild. Right. He just called Ben. Mm-hmm. And because Ben lives in New York, which is a one party state, I think he just recorded it. I think he just <laughs> put it on the pod, you know? It's too good. I mean, we really couldn't script any of this. I'm really happy for Joe that he's back in the spotlight. It's a bit of a convoluted um, rollout for his new album. But being a fan of Taylor Swift's Easter eggs, I have to appreciate this one. And I'm looking forward to more. Do you think this means Joe Torrey will feature? He'll get a Ooh. verse? He'll get a Ooh. song? That would be really good. But I'm looking forward to the reconciliation between Joe and Rob on track 11. Honestly, 
They don't make them like Joe anymore. No. You know, like nowadays, if this happened to an umpire, he'd be like, I was hacked. 100%. I was hacked. Mm-hmm. Joe thought about doing that. And immediately he was like, what do I have to lose? Yeah. What would a cowboy do? <laughs> right. He'd ride in guns blazing. And that's what I'm going to do here. Has anyone asked him about the balloon? Because I know he's got takes on that. Yeah. I don't, I don't know, know that, that I want to. What I want to hear them. Yeah. Well, I do think I would want to hear them. Actually, I'm not sure if I would want to publish them. <laughs> right. And I feel like I have a little bit of a moral responsibility. Not quite as big of a moral <laughs> deep, responsibility deep as like form Joe West. <laughs> <laughs> Can we make shirts that say "Deep Platform Joe West"? <laughs> this guy is everywhere. He's in the music industry. He's on Reddit. He's on Major League Baseball fields. He's got his own pod. Mm-hmm. This guy's everywhere. He's ubiquitous. I that's a good idea, actually. We we have the Joe West interview series, like how Aaron Rodgers just goes on the Pat McAfee show once a week. We just mm-hmm. bring Joe on. All right, it's, it's Joe West, <laughs> Joe West o'clock. <laughs> we call the segment Go West, old man. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? He I know he has time for it in the offseason. I'll just say that. Especially now that his Wikipedia account is banned. What's he up to now? How hard is it to make a Wikipedia account? Do you have a Wikipedia account? Could you edit Joe West's page to be like, on Sunday, February 12th, 2023, the esteemed podcast known as Tipping Pitches, award-winning in many small corners of the internet, theorized that Joe West would think that the spy balloon (laughs) happening concurrently with his scandal, Wikipedia scandal, is actually dropping bioweapons geo-targeted towards Justin Trudeau. Right. And he'd or look like at that. Some, actually, his theory would be like, Justin Trudeau is already an alien and they were coming back to get him. Right. And he would look at that and be like, finally, some truth on my Wikipedia page. Thank you, everyone. Have you ever edited a Wikipedia page? When I was like 13. Oh my God. I love 13-year-old Alex internet stories. Yeah. When he's like, Oh, I could edit a Wikipedia page. I probably should do this for three hours this tonight. Yep, <laughs> you know? exactly. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, hey, uh, I like Fall Out Boy. What if I start a Fall Out Boy fan account? And then all of a sudden, <laughs> I have a Fall Out Boy fan account. <laughs> Breaking news! Yeah, it had like eight thousand followers. I was doing what? like t- t-shirt giveaways. <laughs> what? How is there still stuff that I don't know about you? I know. It's, I like to save a little bit, you know, so we can have these organic moments. Oh, tell me about it. Where was it? What website? It was on Twitter. Tumblr? Of course. Twitter? It was, uh, I did have a Tumblr, actually, although it was, it was more sparsely used. You were cross-platform. What was it called? Uh, official FOB. <laughs> you can't name it that anymore. <laughs> you really, you actually can't. Wow. 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 Did Fall Out Boy ever contact you? Be like, why do you have the official Fall Out Boy handle? That's a bygone era, by the way. When you used to put like real in front of your actual name to tell people that you were real before. Right, official. Yeah. Before Tony LaRussa sued Twitter for the blue check that now has vanquished the need to put real or official or the actual Fall Out Boy. Right, yeah. I think at one point I tried to get like just at Fallout Boy, just like the the name, and like someone else was using it, and then I think Fallout Boy contacted them and got it, and I was mm. like, "Shit, that could have been me, man." Yeah, you could have got paid out. Yeah, 
that's a good business model. Just sitting on handles on social media. I mean, like that's that exists, right? That's like domains. You know, you just buy no, them I know. and then say, "Here's buy it for three thousand dollars." But I love when it happens accidentally. It's like a real stroke of serendipity for the world when that happens to somebody. Like Phoebe, my partner, has the name of a of a jewelry company, and she just has the name because she was on Instagram so early. She was like, "Yeah, this the pictures that seems fun. Let me get my name on Instagram." So she just has her real name, and this jewelry company is like contacts her every couple months and is like hey are you interested in selling this yet are you interested in selling this yet and she hasn't been price going up you know You're gonna have to well, buy a house someday <laughs> well that's like let's I, see I how good this jewelry company really has it let's see how big they make it i don't know if you know the story about um the the twins website right which is when mlb I in do, the early yeah. 2000s right was snapping up all the domains for all their teams they went to twins.com a little, a little and late on that I know, I know. Yeah. Uh, they went to twins.com and found that it was owned by a pair of tw- of twins. Yeah. And it took years for them to get it. They Again, they had to just, I don't know, get officialtwins.com. <laughs> Twinsbaseball.org. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, that is somewhat of a bygone era. I feel like it's all been, it's become its own little marketplace. Now there's like bot farms that are running for to, to grab handles that might be desirable. You can't get anything anymore these days. Yeah. Like I just have my first and last name on Venmo. No spaces, nothing. And I was like, babe, we got this. We're in there. Every time I tell someone my Venmo, I'm just like, nothing else. Just yeah. the name. Well, like, you know- <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> yeah. Are, is that the response you usually get? Everybody's like, damn, did you invent Venmo? How did you get your name with no dash? Because it defaults to put a dash between your yeah. first and last name. Nope. I deleted that. I'm like, I know this is going to be social media someday. Everything turns into social media. Yeah, right. This is going to be coveted. Follow me on Merrill Lynch. <laughs> Get at me on Airbnb. You know, I, I can't be too mad about it, given that you and I, at one point in college, when we ran yes. our student paper, um, yes. uh, heard about a new publication that was coming to campus, and we proceeded to make 10 variations of their Twitter handle. So of, that, of what we thought they might what we want thought it as might a Twitter be. handle. Right? right, exactly. We really thought that a Twitter handle was the only way to like have a successful media outreach at the time. So right. we, were like, we were like, if, if we vanquish this, their Twitter handle. Right, we just cut the head off the snake. Right. <laughs> it's done. They're done. <laughs> as if like they were going to make a Twitter account and suddenly have a million followers and put us out of business. Right. Or had or had one. Like they had one idea. They were like, it's gone. <laughs> that kind of it. This is the end of the road for us. We don't know for sure that we did not take the Twitter handle that they wanted. We don't know that. They, they did, did go ultimately out get a hand. Uh, oh, did they? Yeah, I think so. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. That's all I'll say Folks, about that. We got them. <laughs> Where were you the day when you found out that Alex <laughs> and Bobby put the torch out of business on NYU's campus? That chapter, whatever the fuck they were called. What was it called? Wasn't it Black Sheep? I don't know. We took we took every handle that we could think of. Then we took like the handle plus the year that NYU was founded. Right, we took it with yeah. underscores. We did all this. So we were making fake emails. We were very petty, and it was also like two a.m. We were the problem that Elon Musk was trying to solve. You know, fake <laughs> accounts, fake Twitter handles, mm-hmm. not tweeting, sitting yeah. on stuff. You want to know? I, I just I just want to say, since you mentioned Elon Musk, I think it's very funny that. Right, I violated a rule. When are we gonna yes, do band topics? We gotta do I know, that soon. I know, we gotta do it soon. Um, I think it's really funny that more and more Reddit kind of shows itself to be the place that like Elon Musk keeps saying that like Twitter's gonna be, you know, he's mm. gonna be like they're gonna be like citizen journalists 
and like communities of people and hearing from both sides across, like the amount of Reddit users who have broken stories like this very one, yeah. right? Like the, the Colangelo Burner account, right? We've had, we've had literal MLB transactions broken on reddit.com. This is the fucking future, right. man. Wet butt 42. Yeah, never forget. Honestly, with your past, you know, you got Fallout Boy fan pages that I don't know about. You might be wet butt 42. You just um, didn't tell me. Real quick, guys, don't Google wet butt 42. <laughs> Bad idea. That one's not going in the show notes, just saying. <laughs> this definitely is up there for our most unhinged podcast ever. Mm-hmm. And it's all thanks to Joe. I have him <laughs> to thank for that. Do you have any other f- fan pages, successful media ventures that you've created that you haven't told me about? You want to just tell me now, get it out of the way? We can cut this out of the podcast if you want. <laughs> I mean, I I did one of those things in like, again, like mid-2000s where I was like, I was really into blogs, you know? Like me and everyone, I was like, I was like a big blog spot guy. So yeah. I would just kind of like, I would lose, I would, I would lose interest really quickly. So I'd be like, I'm going to start an A's blog and I'd write mm. a post that's like, here's why Sam Fold is the prettiest guy on the A's. And then I'd be like, what I really need is a music blog. <laughs> and then I'd start a music blog. So there, I have like a dozen, I mean, blog spot is a, a, bygone product at this point but at one point i had a I had a chunk of the market you know do any of those still have good seo like should we just transfer all of our stuff over to them i should go back and look honestly <laughs> i had a i had a blog like a creative writing blog that oh. came as an offshoot of i was in like a the creative writing like extracurricular at my high school and i was like you know, they were like encouraging you to do writing on your own. And I was like, why don't we just put this on the blog? It's, it's fucking 2010. You know, people are still blogging. This will be fun. And I like recruited all my friends to write little essays for it too. Little personal essays. Nice. Lasted like a couple months. I thought that was pretty good for a couple, for, for just a, you know, homemade blog. That is. It was on, it was on WordPress. I was an early WordPress adopter. Oh yeah. I was in there. I knew WordPress was the future. I knew that there was going to be media conglomeration, you know, yeah, WordPress you was going to absorb Atavist and then we were going to have to transfer all of our stuff over to it. And it was going to be really annoying. It was going to take months and then our website was going to be down for a little while. And it's like, okay, then we have to change all of the fonts and the formatting of all of our stuff. Like I knew that was going to happen for sure. Yeah. You also knew that we weren't going to really use the website at all. Listen, we got transcripts there. We do. In case anybody do. wants to read the podcast, read alongside. That is available to you. We were we were burgeoning media moguls at a very young age. I'll just say that. We're still burgeoning, some might say. <laughs> That's some burgeoning to be done. Right. Okay, we got a good listener question, and we're going to answer that, and then we're going to get out of here. We got a bit of a brief. We got a slightly more digestible pod for everybody today. Although, your mileage may vary on what makes something digestible, length or content. Because <laughs> this is only digestible in terms of length. Um, question comes from Owen. In the podcast mailbag Slack channel, Owen says, it's the big one today, referring to the Super Bowl, and I think every sport would love to have its own Super Bowl size event. But what do you think other sports look to MLB for in a, quote, I wish we could have that kind of way? This is a good question. Um, Because I feel like more often, we find ourselves answering this question in reverse. Mm -hmm. 
What does MLB look at other sports and think that wish that they could have? What does MLB look to the NBA and say, how can we crib that in terms of making our players more likable, having our players be more deeply ingrained in culture outside of just the sport that they play? Um, how do they look to the NFL and say, how can we dominate television once, twice, three days a week the way that the NFL has? Um, how can we single-handedly overcome the concept of cord cutting, which the NFL has? It's like the most watched television show, like 75 out of 100 of the most watched television shows a year. Um, so to ask this question in reverse, what are characteristics of Major League Baseball that other sports wish that they could emulate? There are a few that come to mind for me. I think the first one is total time spent with something. You know, like the companion feeling that baseball has to people's lives. I don't know how you quantify that. There's obviously like the the Netflix style, here's total hours watched of a television show or of a movie. And that's a more um, desirable metric to tell advertisers or Wall Street investors than just plain viewers because it's about the level of the engagement, the deepness of the engagement. And Major League Baseball, I think, cumulatively, the average baseball fan watches more hours of baseball than any other sport throughout the year than the average fan of any other sport throughout the year because there are so many more games and the games take longer. right? And they might have fewer viewers in total, but the deepness of that engagement is what makes it so valuable as a sport. There's just frankly a lot of people, ourselves included, that can't imagine a summer without baseball on in the background or in the foreground or as a destination or as a way to mark time. And that's a hard thing to create. It is hard to become part of people's lives in a routine, like ritualistic way, the way that Major League Baseball has become. And I think they've done a really good job of continuing that, of like catering to that. It's like, we're always going to be here. Maybe few of you, fewer of you like us than than you than you used to, and we're going to work on fixing that. But the people who do still like our sport, the people who do still want to watch it, still think of us as like their best friend. Yeah, and I mean it's a very different way of consumption, right? Because if you watched every baseball game with the intensity that one might watch a Sunday night football game, you'd wear yourself out by May, right? Like there's just because the games happen once so weak right for your team it's a lot easier to like tune in and check it exhaust your emotional energy over the course of like 36 hours right and like major league baseball you kind of have to it's not that easy you got to pace yourself a little bit more right don't let the highs get too lot too high don't get this the lows is great get, advice get too low yeah i'm just gonna let it go straight over my head <laughs> <laughs> i think part of the problem is that i was a big football fan and basketball fan well I mean, I was a baseball fan before a basketball fan, but I was a big football fan for basically my whole life. And I just did not learn how to watch a baseball game with any level, other level of intensity besides the mm. one level. I only have one speed. Okay, so I'm, so I'm pulling back the curtain on you a little bit as well. What is your fee for this hour? <laughs> Do you take Cigna? Can we work out a payment plan? Right. Actually, have you heard of Cobra? Because you can do that while you get everything figured out. I do accept that. I have heard of Cobra. Gotta be honest, I don't really understand it and I hope to never have to. <laughs> yeah, the, ex- the extent of my knowledge is mostly that. That, uh, that <laughs> extent- you don't really, really want to have to rely on it. The extent of the knowledge is you're basically fucked. If you have to figure this out, you're fucked. Yeah. Um, 
good world we have normal world uh one thing that came to mind for for me is something that that i see as potentially envious to other sports is mlb's sort of all-star break um mm. which is yeah i don't know if that's obvious right there's a lot talked about how you know the competition level in say the nba basketball game is is really low there's no defense played etc i name i don't know if i can name a person who uh watches the pro bowl um but regardless i think that that i'm watching major- the pro bowl right now off to the side three <laughs> runs grinding tape the all right. the all 22 of the pro bowl yeah getting ready for this year right i think that the mlb all-star game is probably the the closest replication of like what the sport looks like throughout the rest of the year would be my assertion and you may say otherwise but but it actually oh, like feels the game like game itself right like the, the game right, right, right no yeah. like the game itself i'm like oh this is like a you know i'm not watching a watered down baseball game i'm watching a lot of really good players actually i would watch this yeah. more um i also think the home run derby is probably the, the single best uh all-star break event yeah the dunk contest has really fallen off it really has fallen off in viewership as well like more people watch the home run derby than the the dunk contest or the nba all-star game so i do think there's something there there's a uniqueness to the all-star break that i think you just kind of don't get with some of the other sports there's a certain display of skill and technicality that still feels very celebratory i mean i think a huge part of that honestly is that mlb is the only sport going Mm -hmm. When they have their all-star break, the only of the major four sports, um, hockey just finished. Hockey and basketball just finished in June, and the MLB all-star break is usually at the end of July. NFL doesn't start until September. Basketball season doesn't start back up until October-ish. Used to start in November, and now it starts in October because they started earlier than ever, so that they can space the games out more. Um, and so I think it's tremendously benefited by being by feeling like a holiday for sports. It's like, okay, you guys have nothing else to really watch right now except baseball over the summer. And sometimes that's interrupted by like international events, you know, like, you know, FIBA events in basketball, but larger than that FIFA events in soccer um, or the Olympics or whatever it might be that specific summer. But it has a, like a festival quality to it that the other all-star events don't quite have. Like base, basketball's all-star event, I think it's fun. I think it's cool to see these huge superstars all in the same place interacting with each other, which is true of baseball too, but not quite as true because there's no one that's, there's nobody like LeBron. Like, right. There's nobody like Steph Curry. And you get to see these guys talking to each other and cracking jokes and fucking around. And, but it happens in February when it's like cold yeah. sometimes it happens in like milwaukee <laughs> you know like it's not really it doesn't have that same it doesn't have that same oomph that baseball has by happening in the summer and so much is happening outdoors and it's like it has this it's consistent with the feel of what most people's lives are like while it's going on you know yeah. like oh we're, we have like a summer outdoor kind of picnicky energy we're gonna like sit around and watch the home run derby it's all silly the other thing i'll say um, and I wrote about this in a newsletter, which is going to come out, should should be out right about the same time as this podcast that you're listening to right now. If you're a, a, a member of the Patreon at the highest tier, you are subscribed to our newsletter. Um, if you'd like to check that out and other perks, it's patreon.com slash tipping pitches. But I wrote about this in a newsletter, the revival of the of the newsletter, which has been on a bit of a hiatus as our lives have been 
somewhat busy. More on that in the newsletter itself. Um, and I wrote about how, you know, there are weird corners of every sports fandom. You know, like there's the NBA dark web, the nerdy stat people who pick their favorite players that they like to just obsess over and talk about how this player should play more and actually this player is the best player in the league. And there's a huge, speaking of blogs, a huge blogging history to the NBA, sort of the underbelly of N- NBA bloggers and content creators that have now become more famous and have gone to, gone on to redefine the way that basketball writing happens on the internet. And I guess that's true of football too. I don't know. It's harder to sift through the noise with football because it's like such a red meat product. It's such like an A block product for so many websites and, and sports media companies that it's like harder for me personally to find like the weird subsects. And I, actually, I don't watch football very often. So I'm not enmeshed in that on Twitter quite as much. Um, but baseball, I find to be the most enriching and varied fan experience of any of the sports. Like, there is literally something for everybody to like in baseball. If you're, a, if, you're the, if you're already a baseball fan, you can pick and choose the thing that you want to like about baseball in a way that I don't know that that's true for other sports. They are more obvious of an entertainment product, and so it's less of a choose-your-own-adventure experience to it than baseball. Like, you go to a baseball game, you can just... You can appreciate the pitching. You can watch the batter the whole time. You can follow the game from a traditional perspective. You can follow the game from a stat cast, advanced analytics perspective. It's You can just pick a player that you think is hot and you can stare at him the whole time. You can, you can be like me and sort of blend all of those things together, but also just choose individual personalities and, and reasons to root for a guy. Like you can yell Fogo power every time you see Eduardo Escobar. Like these things... I know that they do exist in other sports, and I know that I'm using a little bit of bias here based on my experience of consuming way more baseball than any other sport. But I just, I think we're weirder as fans. And I I think that that is enviable, especially in like today's world of fandom, where it's like 10 years from now, 15 years from now, everything needs to be customizable for the person who is consuming something. And you need to be able to choose your own experience for something. Otherwise, people are not going to want to do it. So that like sectioning off of fandom, is actually okay when it comes to sports as long as there's like a thing for everybody within the sport. And I I do think that that is true of baseball. I think that every sport wants its own lefty baseball Twitter. I'll say that. Yes. Like it's a very robust, thriving community. And I say that like partly tongue in cheek, but honestly, it's a very vibrant sort of place for discussion. And I, you know, we're biased because we occupy that space, but that exists far beyond that little community right like you're saying it's very easy i think to find common ground with others around the sport which again is is not exclusive to baseball baseball is just weird as fuck about it right like and there's like kind of like unspoken storylines right or if baseball is played after midnight it's free baseball right it's like all these sort of weird little uh bits basically right it's baseball's got a lot of good bits it's a good it's a good bit sport the final piece of this is that um it's the best in person experience by far yep i mean soccer is is comparable not really in america um, certain soccer environments are really exciting here. 
international soccer is a completely different story. It's just, you can't even compare that to anything within the United States. It's yeah, like m- yeah. much, much deeper. Um, but on a, on a game to game basis, on a park to park basis, it's the best sport to go watch in person. You know what? It's like, we don't have that many things like that anymore in the world. Yeah. Like things that you go do in person. I don't work in person anymore. A lot of people don't like go to the movie theater. A lot of people don't go out to eat all that often anymore because of like meal delivery and stuff like that. And I kind of feel like that is going to make a comeback <laughs> at some point, like where we're all yeah. going to have a collective realization. And maybe that's naive. Maybe it's just going to be like the digi- digitization of the human experience is just going to continue to advance until we're basically living in the final scenes of Wally, where we're all in like a little pod roaming around, like being pumped with food and feeding tubes. The pod wasn't nihilistic enough, so I'm glad you brought it here at the very end. (laughs) But like, it's not that the experience of other sports in person sucks compared to baseball. And I love basketball. And if you're on the floor for a basketball game, it is sensational. But if you're like in the the mezzanine level or God forbid the upper deck, you can't see anything going on. It is far, far inferior to the television product of the sport. And that is definitely true of football as well. You can't see, you can't, you don't know where the ball is. <laughs> no, you don't know where the ball is. Um, hockey is a really good in-person experience. Uh, not one that I experience very often because it's so expensive to go to Madison Square Garden for them to scan my face and send it to the CIA. Um, but baseball is just, I mean, I don't have to tell listeners of this podcast. It's an immaculate in-person experience, even if you're being ripped off. That was one of the other things that I wrote down is the variation from ballpark to ballpark is a really kind of wonderful thing because every game that you see, like you said, is slightly different. You may just be watching your team, but it's going to be a completely different vibe around you. And again, I, I think we're straying from you know, what other sports would be envious of. I don't think that basketball is interested in having different sized courts and and arenas in which they play their games. But it is an experience that's really unique to, to baseball that I think, I mean, it can't be replicated by other sports, which I think is something that makes it so special. Yeah, but like in the sense that baseball is more of like a mosaic experience where like every single thing looks slightly different and it's so mm-hmm. beautiful when you look at it all together, but you can spend individual time looking at one part of this piece of art. Like that's how I feel about baseball. Basketball is like, you know, a Renoir. Like, it's like the whole thing is part of it. Like, it's just what the whole league, like this league, you know, yeah, unironically yeah. is like amazing to experience as a whole and all the stars and whatnot. But baseball is just like a weird island of misfit toys. And there's a place for that in the culture. Yeah. Obviously, that's why we've been doing this podcast for six years. Um, Alex, I have some breaking news for you. Breaking news. I think Relevant to something we talked about on the podcast last week. The newest member of the Fox baseball team joins us right now. Welcome in, Derek Jeter. Long-time Yankee superstar. Good to see you again. El Capitan. Big Eagles fan, What's up, aren't you? El Capitan. Dapping with A-Rod. You're an Eagles wow. fan right <laughs> Who told you that? <laughs> My world is perfect. Derek Jeter. He answered our question. Do you think he listens to the pod? Because we asked and he answered within six days. That's right. He said, we said, what's coming next? Why all this media exposure? Why all these little things that he's doing? Is he going to go be an analyst? Doesn't seem like his vibe. Turns out we were wrong. We're the Alex Rodriguez T 
tea, le- tea leaf readers, not the Derek Jeter tea leaf readers. Right. Clearly, yes, exactly, exactly. Is this exciting to you? Are you are you excited to see <laughs> Derek know. Jeter do like Fox baseball coverage? You know, I mean, what I'll say is like he at least like seems like a human, like has a sense of humor, I agree. right? And like a kind of suaveness to it, where he feels like he sort of belongs there. Whereas Alex Rodriguez is kind of like, it's like he's in a play playing the role of someone who used to be a superstar and is now like a sports analyst. You know, mm, like yeah. all the movements are a little are, are a little stiff. All the kind of one liners have clearly been like workshopped <laughs> to death. Derek Jeter can riff about rooting for the Eagles in Kansas City territory, right? Like, he's like, I feel like he might be a good hang. I think he's definitely a good hang. Um, God, I'm obsessed with the idea of them doing games together. I know. Do you think... So, like, he's probably just going to join that, like, panel, right? Like, that that dude does, like, the pre- and post-games, right? That would be I would my assumption. Would call games, too. I don't know, the way that it's being phrased, but from the sports media reporters on my timeline, is that he's joining the Fox broadcast team. I mean, that that sounds like he's going to do both. Has he ever broadcast before? Don't think so. How hard can it be? Right, you got to start some point. I mean, we do it every week, right? Joe West does it every week. Remember that time that someone on the Tipping Pitches live stream asked us to try to do play-by-play, like our version of play-by-play for a half inning? That didn't go Mm -hmm. so well. Mm-hmm. didn't go so well no it didn't okay we got breaking news I think that means that we can end the podcast that was my MO before we started I was like we're gonna go until we get breaking news <laughs> that's a really good bit well I, well, I did I did I saw someone in the slack uh, write A-Rod at the Super Bowl and I figured that would be this piece of breaking news and you went up to me you went far beyond my wildest dreams so thank you for that for giving me peace, for giving me closure on this week. I want the Minnesota Timberwolves to win the NBA Finals more than I want a lot of things in life, like an embarrassing amount of things, Mm -hmm. so that we can see A-Rod on the stage getting that trophy, holding it up. (laughs) Being like, I really loved when you hit the three-pointer. That was incredible. It reminds me of of a time when Derek Jeter taught me how to hit a three-run home run. <laughs> He's like suddenly doing like a <laughs> TED talk. <laughs> and Adam Silver's like, okay, <laughs> let's move on. Where in kind of the um, the line of people down which is past the trophy, where do you think he stands? Like, he's not the first guy, right? Because he's not he's the primary owner. You think he's think like he's just, second. Yeah. You think he's going to stand next, right next to Mark Lore and say, hey, yes. buddy, it was you and me that, who did this. Yes, 100%. I think he will touch the Larry O'Brien trophy before Anthony Edwards would. This is the only bet I'm making ever in my lifetime. <laughs> Do you think FanDuel will take that? <laughs> they won't take right, it from right us because we're, we're sharps. You know, when it comes to A-Rod, we're sharps. Mm-hmm. They're like, don't yeah. take any action from those guys. Those guys right. are in the in crowd <laughs> with him. They're basically in a text message with him. <laughs> We've all been put on a don't take a bet from these guys list. <laughs> Okay, Alex. Listen, I promised, not really promised, I told the the listeners of the Tipping Pitches podcast, who are also big, big, big Paramore fans, that I would be talking about the new Paramore album on this podcast. 
But I don't know how to do that because you didn't listen to it. Yeah, I haven't listened yet, regrettably. I'm taking away your cool music kid card. (laughs) You might have had a Fall Out Boy blog, but I lived the Paramore lifestyle. (laughs) (laughs) I'm working on it. This week, I got the flu at a Paramore and No Doubt concert. I was out there singing still with a 103 degree fever. You got that pop punk strain. I see you. (laughs) Unfortunately did, yeah. I also got dumped that night. Sick night. (laughs) Sick night. Well, rest assured, this time next week, I will be in the right headspace. I know that we um w- we might be having a guest on next week. Um, do you think do you think one Evan Drellich has listened to the new Paramore album? Uh, yeah, I think he has. All right, Evan seems like a cool guy. Yeah, he seems like he has interests. <laughs> that's yeah, that's kind of my bar for cool guy too. All right, Evan, first question. <laughs> I, I I apologize for asking the hard one right off the bat, sir. Do you have interests? <laughs> Do those interests include Paramore, the yeah. American rock band Paramore? Thoughts on Haley Williams and Chad Gilbert? Let's let me them. just let me just quickly say, who is Chad Gilbert? Is that the newfound glory guy? Yeah, they've been separated for like four years. What are you talking about? Haley Haley's together with the guy from Paramore now. Oh, I know, but for years this uh, this Eight weighed on, this weighed on your soul. Eight at on my soul. core. Yeah. First and first. you actually had a had a had a come to God moment earlier this year where you finally listened to Newfound Glory and said, fuck. Pretty Shit. Good. Yeah, pretty slaps. good. Every once in a while you just have to make a decision. And that decision might go counter to your personality in the eyes of many, but in your head, it makes sense. It's like how you made the decision to say to me on the first day that we moved in together. When I put my Paramore poster You've up, literally you already had a decision before. You made the decision to say, nice Paramore poster, bro. Just like that. And I made the decision to bring it up at every opportunity that I possibly could after that. We all make this decisions. Is, this is the life. reason why I just like don't listen to Paramore anymore. I'm just like, like I, can't wait, I can't wait. I can't wait into this. I um we all have oversights. And yours is Paramore, I guess. <laughs> It's been three days and you haven't listened to the album yet. <laughs> this just in: Alex thinks Alex thinks Haley Williams is not a good singer or songwriter. Jesus Christ! I didn't I didn't go through three album cycles with them to be slandered like this. It's so good, dog. It's just like you know how every once in a while you and I just look at each other and we're like, we like listening to a song. Quite often, it's like oh so oh so or pup. We just look at each other and we're like. This is a great song. It's a good song. Yeah. Good song. Great song. Good song to listen to. Good instruments. Good beat. Good rhythm. Good singing. Yep. Well played. Well mixed. Very, well mastered. Well, well put together. Yeah. Fun to sing along to. Fun to listen to. Kind of checks all the boxes. That's how I feel about the new Paramore record. <laughs> <laughs> it checks all the boxes. There's fun songs. There's sad songs. There's songs that you got to kind of mop yourself up off the floor after listening to. But there's songs that you can kind of Shake the old hips. Not too hard, though, because we're getting old, us Paramore fans. Not too hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good driving album. I've listened to it in the car three times already. Wow. It's so good. I just have to say really quickly. Yeah. We've been proven tremendously right over the years with our various what, fandoms. Who, oh, oh, I see. You know, like the things that have endured right. Paramore. It's 2023, dog. That's like 20 years after their first album, which I wasn't in on the ground floor with because I was like six or whatever. But in middle school, I pretty quickly was like, these are the ones. These are the realists. 
mm-hmm. the real is here. The and ones Haley, they Haley the Haley prophecy f- foretold about. <laughs> right. And you know what? 20 years later, they're still making good, interesting music that's not just boring rehashes of everything else. Yep. Is, isn't that such a great feeling when like it's something you, in, something you enjoyed ever. as a kid and then you look back and I'm like, damn, I was so right about that. It'd be like people who had season tickets to like the Federal League and then they like meshed the NL and the AL together and they were like, Fuck, yes, <laughs> this sport I've been trying to tell you guys, my friend Abner and I, <laughs> we were like, this is going to be the next big thing. Not that I was first to Paramore by any means. Someone showed them to me in my middle school English class, my sixth grade middle school English class. That's where you found out about all the best music. That's the only place to find out about good music. Yeah. Nowadays, that's, it's like an that's algorithm. Why I, that's why I regularly go to uh, sixth grade classrooms and ask and ask them for what they to. listen to. Yeah, and they're like Jack Harlow, and you're like, "Fuck, <laughs> we're well, they usually call it. They call the principal. That's what they do. <laughs> they're all like that. I love that A B C D E F U song. That's <laughs> <laughs> great. Stop. All right, we're done. Listen to the album. 36 minutes. Ooh. Oh my God. Once again, they said, fuck the streaming era. Fuck the algorithm. We're going to put out a good record with only songs that we think are good. Yeah. Who's doing that? The Nobody. Album is back, baby. Not even Taylor Swift is doing that. <laughs> that that's true. I'm going to release an album with three songs that aren't that good. And then I'm going to release six more songs that are also not as good as those three songs that were not that good. <laughs> to wow. gain the streaming numbers. <laughs> wow. That's not true. A few of the few of the bonus tracks are good, but interesting theoretically interesting to me to be like I made an album and here is also half of an album at the same time. Yeah, I mean she just can't stop the output, right? I mean right. when you're when the when the songs are coming, when the writing is flowing, what do you mean? Like gonna Rihanna do? said, please don't stop the music. Exactly. <laughs> wow, look at that. Full circle. Um my final thing about music this week on this podcast, which is now somehow also 75 minutes, even though we said it was going to be short and we yep. barely talked about baseball at all. Our, our biggest baseball conversation was about an umpire who retired a year ago. Yep. Um, my last thing about music, they released an un, a previously unheard, unreleased Linkin Park song for the 20th anniversary of their, of their seminal text, Meteora. And once again, I have to say, Everything's coming up, Bob. 2023. Could this be mm-hmm. the year? Could this be yeah. the year? Could for careful, music? Careful. For me personally? For the Mets? Am I getting hope? Yeah. Are the external is, factors swirling together to make a stew of excitement in my life? The answer is yes. Yes, it is. And and you know what? We will be here with you every step of the way, no matter how it goes. Thank you. Um, Thick Skull is one of the best songs that I've heard over the last 10 years. Go listen to the Paramore album. Okay, thank you everybody for listening to another very normal episode of the Tipping Pitches podcast. We appreciate your time. Next week, we are talking to Evan Drellick about his book, Winning Fixes Everything. I actually don't know. Let me, uh, let's do some live producing on the podcast right now, Alex. Do you want to run that episode next week or do you want to hold it for a week after we talk to him to give people some time to listen? Let's hold it. Let's wait a week, give people some time. I, I, I'm not going to say that it's required reading ahead of the discussion, but a lot of it will be informed uh, about this book. And and hopefully, if you haven't read it by the time you've listened to the episode, it encourages you to go out and buy it because there are a lot of really interesting tidbits in there that that I know many listeners of this podcast will. A lot of buzz about this book. A lot of buzz. A lot of people saying in the streets, on Twitter Mm -hmm. feeds, damn, this book is good. Yeah. (laughs) 
damn, this book is really revealing about how baseball teams are run. <laughs> <laughs> Which is uh, obviously relevant to our interests and the listeners' interests. Um, I know people are sick of the Astros sign ceiling scandal, but that's really just like the vehicle for talking about this. It's not really what the entire book is about. Um, Although if you want to hear Alex Cora say they stole the 2017 World Series, you will get that too. <laughs> uh, man, should have turned that phone call down, Alex Cora. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So Evan, in a couple weeks, a special surprise, Cowboy Joe West album review next week with a special guest to be named later. Uh, get excited. Baseball season's coming back. Preview content in March. No more of these deranged episodes that don't talk about baseball at all we appreciate you listening to the deranged episodes anyway and we will be back Rodriguez tipping pitches tipping pitches this is the one that I love the most tipping pitches so we'll see you next week see ya